Hello, loser. Oh, really? <laughs> really? That's how you want to get this started? Actually, I appreciate that. It's better than the well, well, well that I'm well, well, well pretty sick of. Oh my gosh, Chandler. Today is an interesting day recording the pod mm-hmm. because... Lots going on, but we are taking a little bit of a left turn from current right. events. I'm actually, I'm happy to go back in time. Today feels like a very heavy day with like the Roe v. Wade stuff that we woke up to. Mm-hmm. Um, the Met Gala looks, a lot of them were a big fat letdown to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy to go back in time today, Lauren. Yeah, I had this idea a few weeks ago. I thought, let's, I think maybe once a month, Let's do an episode that's just like basically telling the story, doing a deep dive into a couple or a person or an event, something that has a lot of public interest. So this is the first in a series of essentially pop apologists covering icons. And today we're Mm -hmm. covering an iconic couple. So we are. Very, very excited because we are going to be chatting the romance, the lives, the human beings, the sordid tales, the drama, the gossip, everything that you want to know about JFK Jr. and Carolyn Bassett Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct. And, you know, it's interesting because as I was reviewing all of the research for today, I just yeah. really loved reading about it. Like, yeah, it's fascinating it's it's fascinating to like not only is their love story almost out of a fairy tale mm-hmm. but i think the history with jfk junior and how he was you know the the boy saluting his father's casket like the, just the history is so rich and he was also really hot which makes it very interesting to learn about well frankly that was actually one of my first go-to instincts as I was researching all of this was yeah I was really just kind of taken aback by how much our country used to be blessed with very attractive politicians like hot presidents hot presidents wives with great style besides JFK Jr. I mean who else besides JFK JFK I mean People would argue that You're Obama like Orson Welles. <laughs> oh yeah, Obama's Lincoln. I'm a huge know, fan honestly, of Lincoln. I don't know if Orson Welles was a was a prophet or was uh, <laughs> of the Mormon Church or if he was an American president because I get those two. I get all those white guy names mixed up all the time. I have no <laughs> idea who Orson Welles is, but um, Lincoln is super. Maybe he's hot. an author. Anyways, I think that yeah, there was a moment in time where politicians and every- hold on what. Can I offer a redaction? Orson Welles was an American director. I don't have my straight, excuse me, I don't have my SHIT straight for this. I don't know where I came up with Orson Welles was an American president, but sorry about that, everybody, historians out there. Apologies, I'm not great at geography or American history, clearly. So, whew, anyways. Clearly. Okay, um, glad you cleared that up. Glad you issued that redaction. Anyway, yeah, I just think that it was just how do you even describe it? I think that celebrities on some level and all the all the public figures that mm-hmm. we used to care about, there used there was just a veneer of polish. Yes, that is absent today. Oh, absolutely. I think that our celebrities are much more morally bankrupt and and maybe all of these celebrities, all these icons have always been morally bankrupt, but they just weren't allowed to show it and I think that Maybe that was toxic at their time because they felt so much pressure to, you know, have that veneer or shine. 
but sometimes I miss it. No. Like, for example, let's bring back when, the toxicity, like, in my opinion. Pete Davidson, I'm not super interested in him being like the icon and celebrity of my time, frankly. Well, okay, and here's here's really where I think the intrigue comes in. I mean, we're in such a different time where we're saturated with celebrity content. We see what they ate for right. lunch. We see them all the time over yeah. social media. But people like JFK Jr., like Carolyn Bissett, they really were enigmas because they gave ver- Carolyn gave no public interviews. JFK Jr. gave very few. And yeah. really, they were much more compelling characters because well, I think, like, we didn't know much about yeah. them. And and I think there's a dynamic for that has I think there's a dynamic that has shifted where before celebrities were, you know, hid from the public, were extremely private at all costs, you know, did not want any dirty laundry aired. And now it's like the more dirty laundry you air, the more like you can garner an audience or, you know, kind of like win people over. And it's and I don't. I don't know. I, I don't really know that I actually prefer one or the other because I, I like knowing what salad Kim Kardashian ate. Yeah, I like the additional content. You know? And I find myself disinterested in celebrities who are not playing like the new game, like a Beyonce for, for example, me. Beyonce. Yeah. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I get that she's way more talented than a lot of celebrities that are much more notorious these days or get a lot more PR. But I also find myself vaguely, you know, not that interested totally no it's really fascinating because i feel like we're even contradicting ourselves like we want it but we also don't yeah well anyway you know do we contradict ourselves very well then we contradict ourselves let's very move, well then let's move on to jfk jr and carolyn Bassett kennedy because for me i had always known that they were this com- you know, completely iconic american royalty couple super right. gorgeous obviously she's an absolute style icon but I didn't really know much else and kind of just want to talk about her style to begin with before we get into the narrative and okay where they started what I think is interesting about her style is that really everything that she wears is so simple and nothing in and of itself is remarkable but put together she really looks just iconically beautiful and maybe it is that 90s classic style that you know Gwyneth Paltrow Kate Moss they're all kind of famous for yeah but there's just something about it like if I put on you know boot cut khaki pants and a white tank top I guarantee you I would not have the same level of sophistication and it would not be nearly as distinctive even her hair is never like overly done like it's always like the effortless day two hair Yes, and that oh, the effortless day two hair is seriously impossible for me to accomplish. I will also say, though, that the thing that I love about her is how incredibly natural her face looks. Like, I think Carolyn yeah. Bissett Kennedy is a great example to all of us to remember that natural faces, faces with some flaws, faces that from some angles don't look perfect, really have a level of intrigue to them. And have a level of, I think, ease to yeah. them on some level. Like, it's just so, they're so beautiful and natural looking. And it's just a good reminder in the age of tweaking ourselves into Instagram perfection. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway. Also, might I add one more thing I'll add. I think also she looks amazing when she's standing next to a very hot guy like JFK Jr. Like, they, they're they such a hot couple with their coloring, like, 
dark, That's true. handsome, her, you know, bright blonde. Like, everyone's going to be like, hey, you only like blondes. But, like, she looks like <laughs> a, a hot blonde, and he's, like, a hot, dark-haired guy. Like, it's like Barbie and Ken, kind of. It's it's hot. I'm going to say Absol- it. Absolutely. I think that the platinum hair, actually, I think that was probably the key ingredient that allowed her to have a subdued look virtually everywhere else and right. t- come across as looking completely iconic at all times. Right. Maybe that's where mom was going with our, you know, continual efforts to be blonder and blonder. Mm. Yeah. Well, Perhaps. American royalty vibes, if only. Right. If, if only. only. We were a far cry from American yes. royalty, I'll be honest. Yeah. But. <laughs> okay. Moving on. I think that we should get into the topic at hand. Carolyn Bissett Kennedy and JFK Jr., how they met, who they were, and the story behind the iconic couple. Are you ready, Jen? Yes. Let's do it, please. Okay. This is really quintessentially a 90s love story of two people caught between two worlds. Mm. The life they were trying to build together as husband and wife and what the public and the Kennedy family wanted out of them. Because as as we all know, the Kennedy family is really as close as the U.S. has come to having a royal family. Yes. JFK Jr. was in the spotlight his entire life. He, okay... When he was born, his birth announcement was on the cover of the New York Times above the fold. <laughs> I mean, he was America's crown prince. I've yes. heard. Yes. And and I think that to this day, we don't have anyone who. Baron Trump, not Baron Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, Malia Obama. I mean, they're all cute. I mean, we don't have a classic American prince. Right. JFK Jr. would have never gone to Coachella. Absolutely not. Um, okay. So apparently this, I love this fact. Jackie O, Jackie Onassis Kennedy yeah. was really kind of a stage mom, yeah. if you will. She really was aggressive in wanting JFK Jr. to continue into the tradition of the Kennedy family of the men doing, the men especially, doing important, serious respectable work she did not want to see any sort of tomfoolery she only wanted to see prestige and academic accomplishment i mean i think a lot was expected of her as she raised these two kids by herself after jfk passed away or you know Mm. was tragically shot that's interesting you know like i think that she was she married into the kennedy family and i'm sure that a ton of pressure also came from that side of the family too that you know she was just left now to navigate that by herself yeah, that's a that's a very good point. Well, so in an effort to have him live up to his family name, Jackie sends him to boarding school while he's at high school because he's just not he's not performing well and yeah. she feels like he's goofing off too much. Okay. Apparently he was only getting uh, average grade or he was not getting good grades. Okay. So she sends him to boarding school and he, and from there he only gets average average grades and he's diagnosed with ADD and put on Ritalin. Mm. this didn't help he still flunked the 11th grade um but as one does i'm sure the kennedy named name helped she did not need to photoshop him onto a picture of in the rowing team um <laughs> because he was able to still get into an ivy league school but while yeah. at school he was put on a- academic probation so Jackie would write letters to his professors, you know, apologizing, saying that he was going to do oh well and she was going to personally see to it that she that he was going to do well. 
And interestingly enough, though, he really excelled at the theater and loved acting and drama. However, she did not approve of his love of acting. And she told him that she would disinherit him if he didn't quit his silly dreams and get serious about his future. I mean, that is one tough cookie. It's kind of like, also, did everybody need to become politicians from that family? Like, didn't we have enough? Interesting. I think it's also interesting that him being a movie star wouldn't be enough. I mean, really, can you imagine you have this son? He literally looks like a Greek god, you know, descended from heaven to bless us all with his beauty. And he also has loves acting. And I guess, you know, being the next Cary Grant isn't good enough from his Jackie O. He's got to continue in the presidential lineage. I don't know. For me... I would be. To- I just want. I want the um, the gods above to know that if I'm sent a child with a similar level of hotness and acting ability, I will. I will nurture his God-given talent. Well, and like, you know, I don't know. Both. It's interesting that she wanted him to pursue an academic or, or a political career, because I, I just feel like if I were her, I would have wanted to have to get away from that as much as possible. And I wouldn't want to be thrust back into that spotlight again. Right. Yeah. No, I think that I think that this is what's interesting. We've kind of talked about, you know, we look at people that are super successful, but they they have like they they live on a height that's really far to fall from. And they Mm -hmm. want their children to also achieve the same level of success and notoriety that they have achieved most often. Like most of the time, these super successful people, they don't want their kids to go live normal lives. They want their kids to be stars too. And so they, they live under a lot of pressure. Yeah. But okay, moving on. So John was crowned People's Sexiest Man Alive in 1988. This issue of the magazine sold the most copies that it's ever sold to date. Wow. uh, Which is pretty phenomenal. And Jackie was not happy about this. She thought it would distract from his career path. But John was totally into being a sex symbol. And he even showed up to a big Hollywood Halloween party wearing nothing but a fig leaf. Wow. So he knew he was hot. Yeah, oh my gosh, yes. And right. he yeah, he totally leaned into that. He eventually does go to law school though under the behest of his mother. And he graduates in 1999. To celebrate, he takes out a 46-foot yacht and sails the lake in Virginia. I just like did the founders of J Crew, like did they imagine him? Is this really like the he no, he's, every he's out of a polo rugby dream catalog. Absolutely. He brought along his new girlfriend, the stepdaughter of a billionaire that his uncle Ted set him up with, one Daryl Hannah. She was a movie star at the time, completely stunning. He also goes on to date Sarah Jessica Parker, Madonna, and Cindy Crawford. Insane. So John takes the bar exam. And this is everyone, of course, just remember it he's living a highly public life like even though he's a mm. private person he's being watched by the world right and he's he takes a star. the bar yeah for sure and he takes the bar exam and flunks and you know like the him. the new york post it's all over the post the hunk flunks it's all over the media and he's super humiliate humiliated not to mention his sister caroline passes the bar on the first try classic yeah, so he took it again in 1990, fails again, even though he, I guess, used a test prep class for that one. 
and uh, you know headlines fly the hunk flunks again also Jackie. can i just say yeah. i love like i love new york post headlines like the hunk flunks again again <laughs> it's just it's so good it's such like camp i don't know i love it Jackie insisted that he continue and try again. So she hires him a private tutor. And then Chandler, this is really interesting. She petitions the bar administration to allow him to take a, to take the bar exam in a private room. This was a really big deal because you really should only be allowed to have this like special arrangement. If you have, I guess like some serious issues, serious medical conditions, Mm -hmm. but hard to say no to Jackie he was allowed to to take it in the private room and third time was a charm he finally passed the bar oh my gosh I wonder what the headline was then well let's just say that the legal profession in the world at large was very happy about this because he was a natural in the courtroom he was handsome and charming and friendly so much so that defendants were constantly confessing things to him. People would literally <sighs> turn to him as they were led away in handcuffs and say, thanks. It was so nice meeting you. <laughs> like he was literally of the prosecutor Honestly, that- and defendants adored him. <sighs> that is imagine? so real. Honestly, people are suckers for a hot guy. People are, they are suckers for a hot guy. It's true. So John quits his job, though, at the prosecutor's office in 1994 because he just said he this is what he said. It's a nautical metaphor, so let's move with it. He says he felt like he was a passenger on an ocean liner when he wanted to be the captain. Okay. So he grows... He he expresses his newfound freedom with growing some facial hair. He grows a goatee and forms... I don't like goatee, JFK Jr., for the record. Yeah, it's his least hot look, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um... He grows a goatee and forms a company with an old friend, Michael Berman. It's called Random Ventures. The goal, their goal, I mean, I'm really shocked this company wasn't successful, but their goal was to mass produce handmade kayaks. Oh, perfect. Doesn't exactly sound scalable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. Michael Berman, I didn't really start the company with uh, uh, Michael Berman. Do you know who that is? I do. Ding, ding, ding. Everyone... Keep that in mind for later on. Okay. So John then moves on from that failed business and pitches his idea for a magazine to a mix of political and celebrity investors. The magazine would be part serious, part irreverent. um, And Jackie apparently tried to talk him out of it. This was not hoity-toity enough for the Kennedy name. Mm, Of course. However, he doesn't listen to her and creates George Magazine, apparently one of his biggest supporters at the time was his blonde-haired flame, Daryl Hannah. Mm. Just a side note, Jackie was never a huge fan of John and Daryl, and I think that's probably because of Daryl's like hippie, loosey-goosey aesthetic. Doesn't really match the buttoned up, buttoned right. up Kennedy look, you know? Okay, so... This is interesting. Around this time in May of 1994, Jackie passes away and before her death, this is a strange premonition, but before her death, Jackie made Maurice Templeman, her longtime companion, promise that John would never fly an airplane. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's well, I mean, I think she knew about the Kennedy curse. 
right? Yeah. Was, was, wasn't that still a thing before even this happened? It was a thing. Yeah. There has been a lot of tragedies in the family. Yeah. Um. Yes. John's brother, who his dad had said he thought would become pre- the next president of the United States, or not JFK Jr.'s brother, but his father, JFK's brother, who his dad had thought would become president of the United States. Bobby, right? Um, I don't know what. No, I, I think it was. Ten. No, no. It was someone else. It was someone okay. much. It was, I think, the oldest son. Anyway, he died in World War II. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, the one, yeah, like you said, the one who they thought was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, another interesting fact about John is that he had the system. The system was arriving 15 minutes late wherever he went. That way, whoever he was meeting would already be there. Mm -hmm. That way, he would not have to sit alone in public because apparently people would rush to him and start talking to him if he did. Yeah. Um, another other people he dated included Madonna, Cindy Crawford, Sarah Jessica Parker, and at one point when he starts to date Carolyn, they briefly break break up, so he can date Daryl Hannah again. But that goes down in flames in I'm sick June of, of 1994. Yeah, in June of 1994, John and Carolyn start dating exclusively. So, so Chandler, interesting yeah. note about timing here. So only a month after his mom passes away. Do they yeah, start they dating exclusive. exclusively? I wonder if Jackie ever knew Carolyn. Mm, and also, if they ever met, I don't think. Yeah, I don't like, believe they John did. John is JFK Jr. John, you know, is in the stages in the throes of grief when him and Carolyn start exclusively dating. That's interesting. Yeah, I think that. I honestly, everything I'm about to say is total speculation. So okay, yeah, forgive me, but I think that really. Carolyn Bassett, she wasn't a movie star. She wasn't she wasn't Madonna, Cindy Crawford, SJP, yeah. or Daryl Hannah, all icons of the time. She literally was a normal girl from a yeah. normal family. But I think she had a level of strength and personal fortitude and maybe even lack of vanity and ego. Mm-hmm. A certain down to earthness. Something Kagan was very attracted to about me. Um sure. oh and, my gosh. <laughs> and and no, and I think that really, like, she was just a really solid person. And I think she became really this stable center for him, at least at the beginning. Mm. Yeah. Though she, yeah, her mental sure. state really unravels during their marriage. But we'll get to that in a bit. Okay. Okay. So should we dive into who Carolyn Bassett is? Yes, Chandler? please. Please. Okay. So Carolyn Bassett was born in 1966 in New York's White Plains. Her father is the engineer William J. Bassett. He's just he's just an engineer. He's not a notable engineer. Mm-hmm. And his her mother was Anne Messina, an administrator in New York. Do you know and, any notable engineers? Just asking for a friend. Um. Well, I mean, he wasn't like Einstein, you know, or uh, <laughs> what's who did the light bulb? Thomas Edison. He wasn't like. <laughs> A notable engineer. Um, okay, okay. And her mother was Anne Messina, an administrator in the New York City public school system. Okay. So she has two older sisters, twins Lauren and Lisa. So Carolyn lived in upper middle class, traditional, normal life. Um, she received a degree in elementary education from Boston College. Okay. Um, so apparently at one point she walked into the Boston Calvin Klein store and was hired on the spot. This is so interesting. So she was so al- elegant and outgoing that the store manager noticed and immediately promoted her to New York. So she moves to New York where she essentially is like the ambassador to the brand's VIP clients. Mm. 
And she was eventually promoted to the director of publicity for the company's flagship store in Manhattan. So she kind of becomes the local face of Calvin Klein. Right. Can you imagine being so incredibly bewitching, like incredible, just and like so iconic that you just apply for a job at Calvin Klein and they're like, actually, we want you in New York and we want you to be the face of the brand. Nope. Never. Never uh, even she- come close to feeling that uh, that iconic. No. Carolyn becomes one of Calvin Klein's muses. And apparently it said that the quote was, every time you design something, think of Carolyn Bissett. That's what was told to the Calvin Klein designers. She was also instrumental in Kate Moss's, in Kate Moss's success. Okay. And yeah, and apparently um, Anna Wintour compared her popularity with Princess Diana, saying that she had a fabulous modern style. So Carolyn was just one of these women that truly understood how fashion worked, had an instinctual, natural sense of style, and was captivating to people around her. Absolutely. She was, ti- she was apparently different from the typical gorgeous girls around Manhattan at the time. She didn't have the vibe that she was trying too hard. She was just completely natural and effortless. Also, something interesting about her is that she was not thirsty, so she never craved the spotlight. She, in fact, actively avoided it. When she got the spotlight by dating John, she never gave any public interviews. She never created a podcast. She was just... (laughs) Well, yeah, she was just simply um, normal. I think also that's what makes this story so captivating is that it's a true Cinderella type of story. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's a lot of... there's a lot of tales on how they met. There's nothing confirmed. There's a theory that they met at an event in 1994 for Calvin Klein. And it was it was said that she played hard to get. And that drove John crazy because he was literally like the American prince. Apparently she approved. went by Deb's rules. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another rumor was that they met while he was shopping at Calvin Klein. The rumor is that he bought, he left the store with three suits, six shirts, a bunch of ties and Carolyn's number. So that's a little meet cute rumor for y'all. Love it. Okay, so around so around 1994 they start dating. They are not exclusive as we said at the beginning, as we said earlier, and because he's also dating Daryl Hannah at the time. Um apparently this crushed Carolyn, and at one point her mom writes to her and says, "Carolyn, get on with your life. Love, mom." Wow. So I thought that was kind of funny. Some tough love, very deb. So what, Chandler, what finally ends things between John and Daryl? Well, let's just say it was a fateful, fateful, untimely end for Daryl's dog. Oh my gosh, the Kennedy curse even applies to animals. So John took Daryl's dog for a walk in NYC and accidentally dropped the leash. The dog apparently (sighs) ran into traffic, got hit by a car and died. Oh my gosh. Daryl, yeah, Daryl was devastated and insisted that John get the dog cremated and personally fly the remains to LA where she was going to hold a funeral for the dog. And this, I guess, was the opposite of what John wanted to do. He um, wanted to do, especially while his mom was in extremely poor health. So John sends the dog's ashes in a plain wooden box. And this is just the nail in the coffin for Daryl. She's infuriated and she dumps John. She, oh, wow. The fact that he did not send the dog's ashes and something more impressive was... I mean, I, you, you would think that JFK Jr. could spring for a nice vase or something, but guess not. He's just not a dog guy, okay? 
Apparently not. That's very okay. sad. Also crazy that she dumped him. Do you know that Daryl Hannah was uh, in um, Forrest Gump? Of course I knew Daryl Hannah was in Forrest I Gump. I didn't know who Daryl Hannah was. No. Yeah, of course. Um, and she had a kid with Neil Young. It was shocking. So after the tragic perishing of the canine and the wooden box faux pas, John and Carolyn start dating exclusively. Okay. And by June, a month after his mother's death, he starts telling his close friends about her. They spend the summer of 1994 together. And by the end of the summer, he wants to introduce her to his family, the Kennedy oh, wow. family, the storied Kennedy family. Carolyn, apparently more than anyone John, who John had been with, this is a quote from one of his friends, said that she would stand up to him and confront him. And John knew he needed that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Love that. Um, okay. Love that. Okay, so the next on. tale is very, very interesting. It's all about her meeting the Kennedys. I and just have to say at the top, yeah. I am someone who gets stress bowel movements um, around like situations like this. In fact, I w- like wasn't allowed to be dating when I was like 15. And I every time I would encounter my boyfriend's parents, my like secret boyfriend's parents, I would get like stress bowel movements. I'll leave it at that. So... All that is to say that I cannot even imagine how stressful this would have been. Oh, really? See, I, I'm always quite confident meeting parents. Like, I mean, I, just, I like, I'm, I'm definitely more confident now, but it, I mean, the first time I met Ben's parents, I was totally like, st- not like stressed, but super nervous. I mean, the thing is, is like, I'm confident meeting people's parents, but only because I feel confident around normal people. Like if I was me, if I was getting engaged to Barack Obama's son or something, let me just say like this is some fictional son, I would be terrified. Like can you imagine yeah, some like trashy pop apologist hoe, like with basically no esteemed accomplishments walking in. Oh my gosh. Oh no. That, you'd, see you'd, that you'd be sent home before, you know, dinner was even served. So absolutely. And so I think that probably played into it. She's from a normal background. She was working for Calvin Klein, you know, in PR. She did not have some crazy accomplishments behind her. She wasn't a celebrity. And so really it would be extremely intimidating to meet this storied family. Beyond beyond intimidating. Okay. So apparently this event happened. The meet happened over over Labor Day weekend at Hyannis Port, the annual Kennedy clam bake. Chandler what can you imagine you pull up oh this is no I have the chills just imagine you're dating this American royalty and you pull up and this dude it's three white mansions on six acres of beachfront property like yes I would be embarrassed of myself but I would also fully feel like this was the life I was meant for oh I no it's unfathomable unfathomable I mean to have grown up to knowing like of that family name and then to be oh. feel like you have a ch- chance at joining that is it out of control out of control i cannot even imagine how nervous she was and just how fabulous this weekend was right so apparently carolyn was completely shocked by how formal these kennedy gatherings were even though they were mm. just family weekends right. everyone was in suits and dresses but she did she did dress appropriately she wore a white silk shirt with a mauve blouse and a pink scarf draped around her neck very elegant mm, very elegant carolyn though bombed her first dinner at the kennedy compound on that <sighs> 
Yeah, on that. I'm assuming this is in the, like Hamptons, Hyannisport, on that Hyannisport weekend. No, no, no. It's in Massachusetts. Whatever. It's like on the Cape, tomato, I tomato. I think I'm. Yeah, I literally think I'm going to Hyannisport like at the end of August. Cape that could God. be dramatic. Like a like a Southern California hoe is all the same to me. Oh Wait, gosh. you are going to Cape Cod? Yeah, yeah I'm going to Cape Cod <sighs> so, in August. Oh, for what? Uh, for vacation. I know, but like just just with Ben, like the the group that I went to Nantucket with last year. Remember that whole so thing? Fun. Remember when you were like, "Oh, I get it. You're going to Nantucket." Um, yeah, You're, we had a blast. So we're are we're there two extra spots? Trip. No, can Kagan and I come? No, there's not two extra spots. Sorry. Wait, really though? Are there really for sure not? I know for a fact there's not, and okay, all well, the air mattresses are sold out on Amazon until the end of time. Whatever. Okay. So she bombs the first dinner. Wait, what happens? So Ethel Kennedy, the matriarch of the family, comes to sit next to Carolyn, who had an empty seat Ugh. next to her. And when she goes to sit down, everyone else stands. And re- can you imagine how formless family is? They stand in respect to the matriarch. No. Can you no. imagine if Deb expected us to just like stand whenever she entered the room? Never. 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 Absolutely not. So. Carolyn, though, noticed that everyone was standing up a little late. It was kind of like this moment, and she was mortified that she didn't stand up quick enough, that she stood up late. <sighs> Apparently, Ethel Kennedy... So this is another thing that I'm just very grateful about Kagan's family. Yeah. They, they're not interested in quizzing you on current events to see how learned mm. you are, but apparently right. the Kennedy family was... So Ethel Kennedy loved to discuss current events and politics, and she quizzed Carolyn about Carolyn's thoughts on the federal assault weapons ban. Carolyn, Mm. I guess, was too busy listening to the Pop Apologist podcast (laughs) to care about this ban or to think how many, you know, formulated thoughts about it. So Ethel told her, you might want to read up on that. It's quite important. And this was super embarrassing in front of everyone. Apparently, Ethel also says to Carolyn, a scarf in this weather. I'm feeling overheated just looking at you. And then Carolyn. Yes. It's like it's it's beyond bitchy. That's the thing, too. It's like, you know, the person who's trying to embarrass you and make you look like a fool. Yes, exactly. Like if if I get the vibe, someone doesn't know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to lay into them. Exactly. Tell them they might want to read up on it, that it's super important. Um, so anyway, quite, quite rude. And it, this really lays a foundation for their relationship. Carolyn doesn't enjoy being around his family. And that is a huge source of strain for them yeah. in their marriage. So apparently all the dinner was not just the end of Carolyn's faux pas. Um, the rest of the weekend was a disaster too. What? She missed a few meals because John forgot to tell her that there was a sign up sheet for breakfast and lunch. Seems a little strange um, that you'd have to sign up for right. breakfast and lunch. It's a little but- campy for the America's royal family, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she also had trouble keeping people's names straight. She put her foot in her mouth a lot, and Ethel saw it all and was shaking her head during this weekend. Oh my gosh. I know. So moving on from this terrible weekend, though, to John's George magazine. So around this time, he's dating Carolyn. Things are getting more serious, um, actually very serious. And he pivots from the handmade kayaks, Mm. from the mass-produced handmade kayaks business. And 
creates George Magazine. He receives $20 million to start the magazine from a mix of investors. Okay. And the magazine's first office is on the 41st floor of a Manhattan high-rise. It's not glamorous, though. There's coffee stains on the carpet, and the walls are super grimy, but he didn't care. He was so excited to launch this venture and to launch this the has, magazine. This has Arthur George vibes to me. Maybe it's just the name. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of love it. I kind of love it. I mean, as two people who have created like a little publication, as you know, an audio publication. I'm allowed to, you know, SHIT and other people's side hustles and not my own. Oh, right, right, right. For sure. You know how that Um, works. We are famous for being hypocritical, if anything. Okay, so... In July of 1995, after a year of dating, wow, this is impressive. Um, John and Car- John it, proposed to Carolyn. It is impressive because it's so fast. It's so fast. I mean, that is just so hot. I love. It's the same thing as Megan and Harry. I love a fast engagement. To me, it speaks to passion. It speaks to romance. It speaks speaks to death. I mean, it just I love speaks it. to me- men wanting to settle down, which we love to see. Which we love to see. It speaks to families being created. Um, okay. So in July of 1995, yes, after a year of dating, John proposes to Carolyn in a fishing rowboat while on a weekend at the Kennedy compound. Apparently he gets down on one knee. This is all very The Notebook to me. The Notebook slash a J. Crew fever dream. But he gets down on one knee and he says, fishing is better with a partner. Everything is better with a partner. Will you marry me? Okay. Karen. I don't love oh, yeah. this. I don't love this. I don't love this metaphor. I I didn't love the cruise liner one. It's a little lazy. I don't lazy. love the fishing. It's super lazy. It's, it's like, no Brad Falchuk tribute. It's not stirring. It's, it's no. not stirring at all. He doesn't yeah. even touch on her beauty, for the record. No, he doesn't. He does not touch on how hot, how hot she is, and that is really, really terrible. Totally, it's, um, it's a travesty. You know, now that I think of it, Kagan did not mention anything about my physical appearance during his proposal, and I'm going to tell him it must go in the vows. I mean, yeah, I just like I don't know if you should still marry him, but. I like I would like ninety percent of the vows to be about like different body parts I love and that. facial features that totally. he is he, into. He better start writing now. <laughs> yeah, because it better be. Oh wait, long. he is. You find him in the middle of the night, like feverishly writing his vows. That's right. I, I, I do. That's right. Just completely stressed, mm-hmm. just dripping mm-hmm. with sweat, right? Uh, by candlelight with mm-hmm. a fire lit, right? Pen and quill. Okay. Um. <laughs> apparently, Carolyn responds and says, "I don't know. I'm a." I'm afraid people will judge me, especially your family. And she's afraid she'll never be able to live a life marrying a Kennedy. So three weeks go by and finally Carolyn agrees to marry him. This, I think, is super interesting because it really shows that she understood, like, she understood what the problem would be in their marriage and ultimately what it was, that she did not like being a Kennedy and did not Mm -hmm. like his family. Right, right. And... I'm sure saw the strife of Jackie and, you know, she just wasn't blind to any of it. Right. Um, The ring was a delicate platinum band of diamonds and sapphires. It's just alternating diamonds and sapphires. It was similar to one that his mother had. They kept the engagement quiet for a few weeks and only told their closest friends um, because they knew the press would be all over them. Also, this was right before the launch of George magazine. And apparently someone leaks it to the press. So, not wanting the press to focus on his engagement, John made a public statement that they were not engaged. And this was very upsetting to Carolyn. Okay, so that is up to the engagement. Um, Chandler, do you want to take us from here beyond the yes. engagement and into into that stormy, stormy 
Yes, Martha's please. Vineyard evening. All right, just want to take a quick break in the episode. Take a quick break from JFK Jr. and Carolyn Pissette to let you all know that we are continuing on the high seas of justice. So if you are interested in hearing those recaps, we are continuing on Patreon, breaking down every single day of the trial. We have five episodes up now, five parts. It's going to keep continuing. There's going to be at least two a week on Patreon of full coverage of the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard trial. So if you want to stay aboard the Black Pearl on the high seas of justice and hear our continued recaps, you can access our Patreon episodes via the link in our show notes. And really, becoming a Patreon member, it is a thing that keeps this podcast going, and we appreciate it so much. And now, back to JFK and Carolyn, another hot but troubled couple. So, let's talk about a few fights that happened during their engagement, all right? Okay. John and Carolyn are out to dinner with friends, and... What we're going to see is that Carolyn is resistant to going to a lot of Kennedy family events, obviously because it's terrible to be with his family. Mm-hmm. And so they sort of get into it. And, you know, he says, don't come with me. Hell, if I care, I'm sick of having this same fight. And mm. he says, you know, you're crying because you don't want to have fun on the beach with my family, which is like not what it is at all. <laughs> like they have right, to sign totally. up and for breakfast, lunch or breakfast and lunch and also right. like, wear suits and dresses. Carolyn gets up. She runs out. He his turns to his friends. I mean, it's also like pretty tacky to fight in front of your friends, in my opinion. But he turns to his dinner companions and kind of asks if he should go after her. And they're like, don't be an idiot. Go after her. And, yeah. you know, he was goes and looks for her in the streets of Manhattan, doesn't find her. And, you know, he says to them, she took a cab back to the apartment. I guess. What a big baby. Not a good look. Um, and I think his friends are, try to reason with him and they say he says to them, she wants to marry me and this is my family. Why can't she just get over herself? It's not that simple. Um, right. And his friends say, do you know how hard it is to blend in with the Kennedys? And, you know, and now you're making her feel bad about it. Like this would take a very long time to grapple with. Um Anyways, they make up. Well, yeah, go ahead. Well, I just want to say that I think this is a very good contrast to Prince Harry. Prince Harry knew that becoming Mm -hmm. a royal was absolutely going to be terrible. He understood what you know, having to deal with his family was going to bring into Megan's life. So I'm actually reading a, basically a tome about the Royals that just came out by Tina Brown. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so good. I'm going to do a full deep dive on the pod. And, um, anyway, I just want to say though, that what, one of the things she says is that he tried to actually keep the fan, her from the family from, for a while during that relationship because he knew how terrible it would be. So it's interesting that John did not have the same, I guess, perspective. Okay. Okay. Obviously his John's mother wasn't killed by the paparazzi though, but I guess his father was, I don't know. Anyway, just kind of an interesting contrast. Right. Right. Um, no, I think that's a great parallel to draw. So, you know, another fight happens and this fight is pretty iconic. Um, I'm sure everyone has seen the images of them fighting in Washington square park. And Mm. I mean, it's a very like heated fight. Um, right. you know, maybe just heated fights are in the brain because of Johnny and Amber, but like, you know, sh- he grabs her, uh, arm and it seems to like take off her engagement ring. She jumps back, jumps on his back to, to like get it back. And then he, he gives it back to her eventually. And, you know, she tries to take their dog's leash out of his hands. And he says, you've got my ring. You're not going to get my dog too. Just like, and I'm taking the dog kind of moment from, um, Legally Blonde, but yeah. anywho. <laughs> The fights, the photos of them fighting really are 
so just it's they look extremely aggressive like there's one right like you said he's sitting on the curb with his head in his hands and she looks like she's screaming at him Mm -hmm. there's another part where he looks like he's screaming at her right so anyway um yeah i think pretty spicy a little johnny amber vibes happening so two things here one is that this fight is not about meeting his family this fight is about his relationship with the press and it was about actually a wedding that they had gone to a few weeks before and they had been sat next to a new york times society page editor and Mm. you know carolyn realized that was the only reason why they were invited was to you know have their names you know as part of the guest list you know at x y or z wedding and she just felt like people were using john and she had said to him, you need to, you know, I guess, cut the nice guy act and and not, you know, give in to the press and have some boundaries. Clearly, she has boundaries herself. And he well, didn't and take she it didn't, well. She didn't like going to all those events. Absolutely. And especially events where they're just being used. For me, I mean, a fancy wedding, getting to dress up, doing all that fun stuff, like if my the goal of my life would be to be so notorious um and beloved that I'm just invited to all these events that I otherwise have like no place at right I mean for me it's just like such a it's not even a first world problem it's like a first person problem it's just like Mm -hmm. oh another fancy event I don't want to go and they're only inviting us because we're just so fabulous and famous (laughs) but I think like the other part aspect of this incident is that the paparazzi captures everything and yeah. it's like they have a very serious fight about the way their their different perspectives on press and you know like their society yeah. life and it's all captured and that he's obviously is much more comfortable with it obviously and I, you know i mean he's been photographed since he was a baby but it's just the writing on the wall for why their marriage was so difficult and you know why it ultimately like was headed for a demise right um, right so this is an interesting story that a couple weeks later um carolyn flies to dc because she's summoned there by ethel Ke- kennedy the and very ethel who the, the one know, she snubbed by not standing up quick enough right and the one that did not so, approve of her at first okay what's in- and what's interesting and this is why like i would have been so livid she begs john to come with her like she says like i don't want to go meet your grandma by myself oh, like my and he he's afraid of her as well so he actually yeah. says he's got business to take care of at george arthur george magazine or whatever the sock magazine and oh, he <laughs> he stays he literally cowers and doesn't go with her and so she goes by herself um oh. i guess she actually no she brought a wing woman but it's not it's not it's nobody it's that not the same. cares about it's not the same it's like i mean i would literally have killed i would have killed ben if like anyways right a story for another day but so you know when ethel comes out to meet her she actually has this like very uh queen elizabeth like i don't know scary menacing moment where she says you were afraid to meet me alone you know people think i'm scary and they think that because it's true (laughs) like what who talks like that is this like freaking judy dench on Clickhole? like who's who is it's just it's the just the amount of arrogance and self-importance that the kennedys have is insane incredibly cinematic what an incredibly like cinematic family and experience to be a part of and to have right um and then what's interesting is that they start to sort of open up to each other and she talks about you know what it's like to be married to a kennedy and the difficulties you know and it's interesting because ethel says like ethel does or carolyn does 
Ethel talks, they both start to like, Ethel, excuse mm. me, Ethel starts to talk to Carolyn about what it's like to be married to a Kennedy. Okay. And the difficulties and she, there. She tells Carolyn that she repeats her mantra, which is I am enough, which is something out of like a, a 2020 therapist book, you know, talk space thing. But it's interesting that she, she says that yeah. I, you know, she literally says that to herself, I am enough because there's such an imposter syndrome, you know, wow, with this family and that she says it will sink in eventually and that no one can take that away. Not even the Kennedys. And she tells her, beautiful. I know it is. And she, she tells her that she shouldn't let, you know, John or the reporters or anyone change who you are in her in here. Excuse me. She says that she shouldn't let John or reporters or anyone else change who she is like in here, which is she points to her heart or something like that, which is okay, like, wow, what a, a very touching, it's like cinematic to go from like, you're afraid to meet me alone, you know, because people think I'm scary. <laughs> they think it because and it's I true. Am. It's like born Jason born or whatever. Yeah. Um, so clearly this is some sort of turning point and maybe this mm. makes, you know, Carolyn feel better about the trajectory of their engagement and their relationship moving forward. Okay. Um, so let's talk about their wedding, which <sighs> was iconic. It, it took a CIA level of effort to plan this wedding because it was a complete secret. Wow. And one thing I realized is, or one thing that I saw was that John's gift to her was a wedding that felt real to them. It was a wedding that didn't have paparazzi or fans or the whole, you know, show dog and pony show. It was a very real wedding. And I thought that was so touching because knowing her perspective on the press and their life in the limelight, you know, he really, it was a grand gesture for him to have this wedding be a complete secret. Yeah. Um, so just a few notes about the secrecy and how insane it was. The guests were given Dave's notice. Okay. And when they were given notice, they didn't know when or where it was going to take place Um, because obviously the press would have had a heyday. So there was like no chance of leaks. I mean, only 40 people were invited. Um, And so 40 is so small, like so small small. when you're from the Kennedys to the point where he only invited his family was not invited. No, he only invited like one cousin from every family, which is pretty insane. Um, So 40 people and they had no heads up. You know, they were just like, basically, from what I've gathered, they were told to buy a plane ticket to Florida. Okay, when when they were, you know, let in, like, hey, something's happening. They had to buy Mm -hmm. a plane ticket to Florida. And then from their flight in Florida, they were driven to a town in Georgia. They still Mm -hmm. don't know where they're going. Um, And they got on a lobster boat that then then took them to the island. Um, And then they just like set off in darkness. Like nobody knew where they were going even on the boat. And a lobster boat is not fancy. It is not a, you know, it's, it's not a river cruise. It is a like lobster fishing boat. Right. Um, And they arrived to, it's just, I mean, there's footage because one of John's friends, Billy uh, captured everything with his like handheld camera. That's kind of the only footage we have. And they arrived to a twinkling light dinner and only upon rising the next morning do they realize where they are, which is Cumberland Island off of the coast of Georgia. That's so cool. Like, I mean, what an experience. I, yeah, I bought the the secret tapes or something and it's like this, whatever footage this is from Billy oh, and it's, it's beautiful okay. to watch. You can have my login. You're welcome. We should, um, we should try to put some of it up on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. For the peeps. Um, so just a little note about this island. It's extremely remote and small. It's a mile off the coast of Georgia and only 50 residents live there, which is crazy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just, 
I I love everything about this because I love the idea of a low key wedding. As someone who's having kind I of more of a an actual three day affair, right? Um, I just, just love the idea of this casual island wedding. It's so rough. Both both have their perks, but you know it, this was really such a beautiful juxtaposition for like the life that they'd had and the life that they were you know going to have that was unfortunately right. really cut short. Um, so let's talk about the ceremony. They had the the wedding at a small church. I mean, you'll recognize this church from that iconic photo, which I'll post in the teasers of them leaving. You know, it's very old. There's no Mm -hmm. electricity. There's no air conditioning. And the guests are seated and ready to arrive. Um, John arrives a little bit late because he claims he couldn't find his shirt. Um, And Carolyn actually had a dress malfunction where when she was getting, literally getting the dress put on her, it wouldn't go over her head. So they had to like, someone was like, had some quick thinking and they put a silk silk scarf around her like head and shoulders and that was able to let the dress like slide down. But they had to redo her hair and makeup. Oh my gosh, how stressful. And like, I mean, the dress is pretty simple looking, but just knowing that there was this whole malfunction and that it still was So there was no zipper on the dress. I don't think so. Yeah. Wow. And... Um, and so she was two hours late to her own wedding, which caused uh, there to be no daylight. And it basically turned into this this stunning <sighs> candlelit wedding because they just grabbed some of the, the religious candles from the, you know, the altar or whatever and lit those around the church. Okay, that I have the chills. I'm just going to say I think that this is so cool. And it makes sense because that in that iconic photo of her exiting the church where we all you know have a spiritual moment witnessing that stunning simple dress mm-hmm. i think that I, it makes sense now because they're in darkness it, it's right. clear that it's at night well, so how how interesting and i don't think that night weddings are really done all that much like it was truly no, a mistake that they that they were that they left the church when it was you know dark outside right right um wow so yeah i mean and then they just have like you know this intimate reception with with people and with other dearest friends and family and yeah it's just like and you know an iconic moment that people really don't know about is the video of the reception or is it of the church i think it's both i think it's almost it's it's not of like everything i'm gonna stop saying no no you should you should watch it it's lovely and i mean you can hear some of their vows i'm pretty sure you can hear his his speech to carolyn you know at the dinner where he says like really my, no one has changed my life more than carolyn or something like that it's, it's much better than the fish, fishing speech i'll tell you that much wow okay um yeah so i mean another note guests drove in convertible jeeps like through the pouring rain to the reception like it was very rugged what it was not very super rad. posh yeah very um cool. so you know Although, they have t- this is something i want to say yeah i want to say that on some level it's like if you had I'm sure it would be beautiful, but there's something about like having a wedding in a rundown, you know, old church with no AC and then having to drive through the rain and like the ruggedness, the com- the reason why it's so cool and compelling is because it's set against all of their wealth and exactly. all of the, the event that right. could have happened. So right. I think that's kind of funny. It's like it's like a marvel that they were so rugged and undone for their wedding because they're so rich and like hoity-toity. Right. Correct. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Exactly. So can we talk so, about the dress though? Yeah. Let's talk about the dress. So her dress was designed by Narciso Rodriguez. He was a friend of hers, you know, from her days as a Calvin Klein publicist. Mm. And, and this really like 
spotlighted him and catapulted him into, you know, stardom as a designer um, because okay. it was just so beautiful. And the dresses at the time were more ball gowny. They were much more like big and ornate. And so, you know, this was kind of an iconic design because people were just not simplifying in this way. Um, right. In fact, like I even heard of one designer, I think it's one of the guys from Queer Eye and he was like, you know, they people wouldn't even feel comfortable wearing a slip dress out to an occasion or like a dinner party, let alone to their oh, wedding. Wow. So yeah. it was just a very, very bold expression. Well, I think that time. also, obviously, it's emblematic of her personal style. It's very true to right. her. But right. also, it fits the event, right? A 40-person, mm-hmm. very rugged, simple event. It, right. it, it definitely fits the event. And I think that I really wanted a s- simple silhouette for my dress, kind of to go with a similar vibe. But yeah. I just almost felt like it didn't fit the event. Like, I needed a dress yeah. that kind of was, like, fit the mood. So anyway, I yeah. maybe I'm just apologizing for not having a simple minimalist vibe, Thank you. but I definitely want a Carolyn Bissette moment at my wedding weekend. Yeah. Like some simple silk, totally. you know, maybe slip a dress rehearsal moment. dinner or yeah, something yeah, like we'll that. See. Um, okay, so yeah, that's that's the wedding, and I think it's definitely worth everyone watching any and all like uh, films about this because it's just, it's really iconic and the photos are beautiful and they both just look stunning. And I think like the leaving the church photo is just now something I absolutely want at my future Mm -hmm. wedding. Like, it's just, it's so amazing. It's so, so much more special than any other staged like family photo or like here we're posing, you know, next to whatever. Right. Anyways. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's about it. It's just it's similar to the photo of them where she's wearing his jacket and leaning Mm -hmm. back into him and she's wearing a black dress and has red lipstick on that iconic photo. Um, Yeah. Anyway, just absolutely in love with them. All of the photos that they have together, they just truly seem so passionate and in love. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, to take a sharp left, let's talk about their early marriage And, you know, they have a blissful couple of weeks honeymooning, but, you know, upon returning to New York, the usual, you know, fanfare and press shenanigans just pick right back up where they left off. Um, And we start to see that, you know, John is spending a lot of time working on George magazine. And if he's not working, he's spending a lot of time with either his friends or, you know, the Kennedy family, which we know she doesn't love to join. Um, So that's, they got married in 1996, and by 1998, ni- yeah, 1998, we start to see Carolyn in decline. And okay. we have a story from one of her friends who says she went to dinner one night when John was sick at home with the flu, and she made at least a half dozen trips to the bathroom and came back to the table with white rings around her nostrils. We Ugh. went from bar to bar, and she wanted to come over to my apartment, but I said no because I knew it would be an all-nighter. I finally yeah. dropped her off at 3 a.m. the next morning. Obviously, she's doing heavy cocaine, you know. John asked the friend the next day, you know, why did you keep my wife out so late? And they say, a better question, John, is why did your wife not want to go home? Well, because what I've read is that he got so busy working. Mm -hmm. And as you said, like going to these Kennedy events that she didn't really want to go to. And she was very lonely. Totally. And they were really not connecting because they didn't Mm -hmm. didn't enjoy their spare time in the same way. Right, right. Which is... Which is very important. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think a watershed moment or a turning point in, you know, their kind of struggle as newlyweds is when she runs into Michael Bergen, who, if you'll remember, was 
the guy he started that handmade kayak company with, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. The guy who started the handmade kayak company, the mass scale handmade mm-hmm. kayak company, mass produced handmade kayak company with I mean, John. Yes. Yeah. Before who also, George Magazine. Interesting to note, the iconic Mark Wahlberg, Calvin Klein ads. Do you remember those? Yes. He is the crotch in those ads. Oh, okay. So he's packing some heat is what you're trying mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Deb's going to be thrilled. Hope nobody's listening. Thank you for that note. Thank you for but, that detail. You know, she runs into him and, you know, it's reported that he makes her feel like her old self again. And they meet for mm. coffee. Even at one point, you know, they're hanging out later into the night and they share a kiss, which oh, is gosh. like, if you're in a happy relationship, you're really not going to put yourself in those situations. Um, Absolutely. It's say. like the, the, uh, you're so correct. It's like the kiss really wasn't where like the um, everything step out of wrong. turn happened. Yeah. It was deciding to hang out with him after hours, likely, right, right. you know, because you're not going to be in an environment where that's appropriate otherwise. Right. And, and as this kiss happens, she pulls away and stops and says, what am I doing? She tells him it can never happen again. And she comes clean to JFK Jr. Okay. She comes clean to John. And what's crazy is that, you know, she has a, a day seance. later. She comes yeah. clean to JFK. She comes clean to his father. <laughs> yeah. um, not to him, but if you, you know, if you come clean to like your fa- passed away father in law, it's fine. Um, yeah, exactly. But John poses as the police, like, and buzzes at Michael's door. And okay. Michael lets him up, and John immediately just decks him in the face when he sees him. Wow, it's hot. After finding out. Yeah, it's pretty hot. Um, so I guess. You know, this is when this review about how violence is never never (laughs) the answer. (laughs) But this doesn't end. This does not end like their emotional affair, which is what she tells JFK Jr. That it really is. She says it's not sex. You know, it's he just you know, I can talk to him about my life and he understands me. Yada, yada, yada. And, you know, they try to continue to see each other. They continue to see each other. And this really Mm. makes JFK Jr. upset. Obviously, if you share a kiss with anybody you should oh, never, are you and you're trying me? to restore your marriage. You should never see that person ever again, especially well, okay, solo. I just think that it's actually inappropriate once you're in a partnership, once you're in a marriage, um, to have friends that you hang out with of the opposite sex. I just, a one-on-one, it's not appropriate. It's just really I not. Mean, I mean, do I you like, agree or disagree? I disagree. I don't think that it's like, I, I don't know. I think that there are like, there are like female friends from Ben's friends. life before he knew me that like, yeah, no, new yeah, friends. but I'm saying like new friends. I don't know. I guess I get I just, what you're I saying, mean, but I also think that like it's not appropriate to hang out with, especially repetitively with one member of the opposite sex. Oh, yes, sex, absolutely. Uh, like repetitively after hours when you could be spending time with your partner. It's super weird. It's totally a red flag. I mean, and of course, if you've ever had any type of romantic connection to them, let alone like kiss them or your ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Yes. Um. So, you know, they try to give their marriage a second chance. They go to counseling. The counselor brings up her drug habits. This just sends her into a rage. It's not working. Um, And, you know, they're sleeping in different bedrooms. Uh, At a certain point, JFK eventually just moves to a hotel. And it's just like this marriage, you know, has is crumbling so fast. I mean, it's only been two years. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it's 1999. And, you know, just a couple of days, he, uh, just a couple of days before the inevitable plane crash, he's talking to a friend and he says, I want to have kids, but whenever I raise the subject with Carolyn, she turns away and refuses to have sex with me. Wow. Um, 
you know, he's sitting and on the edge of At this point, his... she's 33, right? Because I remember that's when they, yes, she was when she died. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and, you know, maybe she just felt like she wasn't happy. And it's just mm-hmm. so, so sad. So at this time, John has just recovered from an ankle accident. He was like a big sports guy, like lots of, you know, fun sports when you're super rich and, you know, can own paragliding stuff. So he's recovering from his ankle accident and he hasn't been flying this whole time because he's not allowed to fly solo. Well, he can't use his like one foot, obviously. So after, you know, getting out of his cast, he wants to fly. He is planning on flying himself to Hyannisport for his cousin's wedding that weekend. Okay. Um, Carolyn does not want to go. They are struggling big time as a couple. And she obviously has never liked being at Kennedy events. It's not looking forward to this family wedding. Um, and ultimately, wow. you know, most devastating now in hindsight is she didn't feel comfortable flying with John. Another, I read that in prep, yeah. Yeah. She never, she didn't feel comfortable. And... She even said, I'm secretly terrified of flying with John because he's so easily distracted. He's got that ADHD. She said, he doesn't seem to take it seriously enough. Yeah. And this is where we get to some of the fatal mistakes and and just scenarios. Uh, This is where we get to some of the fatal mistakes and, you know, factors that led to the, you know, tragic crash. Let me, so let me back up a little bit. Um, So Carolyn doesn't want to go. She's at this point not going to the wedding, but... And during that week, Carolyn's sister, Lauren, arranges a meeting with JFK Jr., herself, and Carolyn. And okay. she offers to come along to the wedding as moral support to Carolyn. And Carolyn agrees to then go. Um, which then brings us to Friday afternoon, which is the day they're supposed to take off to go to the wedding. That fateful um, day. Okay. Yeah, that fateful day. And I didn't... Yeah, I, I did research on this crash. And there's a lot more to what happened than even what I knew before this. So there's, he's set to depart from New Jersey's Essex County Airport. Um, and if anyone has ever lived in New York or been in New York and had to catch a flight on Friday, there's crazy traffic getting out of the city on Fridays. I've missed, I missed my flight coming home when I was initially like, you know, moving here because of just Friday traffic. It's, it's crazy. Mm. So the traffic is very bad and, and John is now running late. Lauren, Carolyn's sister, is also running late from a meeting in the city. And, you know, this delay means that he now has to fly at night i heard she was also getting a pedicure too so they were all late they were all late and you know another factor is that john has only had this plane for i think 11 weeks he's still Mm -hmm. getting used to it and all of the flights before had been with an instructor and even one of his flying buddies or somebody who was like you know in in this realm with him said hey this is different from your cessna this is like a different plane uh, that you really need to like understand and you know be up to speed with in order to fly it safely, but he doesn't take it seriously as Carolyn has said, and he you know he he insists on flying by himself, and also he doesn't take the like weather briefing. So basically, when you're about to fly, you should get the most up to date weather briefing, obviously, and he declines to do that. He doesn't you know he doesn't have time, doesn't want to. Um, and the conditions are hazy and there's cloud cover above Martha's Vineyard, which is like the current weather conditions as he takes off. Um, and under visual flight rules, it's barely acceptable for him to take off. Um, so anyways, he takes off nonetheless. And I think that like, this is where, this is where 
it becomes interesting where it's clearly honestly his fault like he was just one of those dudes who thought that he was invincible and on some level just was not careful enough Mm -hmm. was not Mm -hmm. careful enough no and this is what went wrong right right absolutely um and and what's really fascinating and terrifying about what happened with the crash is that it actually was a much more mental error than it was you know just crazy conditions so he takes off and one thing that you know pilots have to do when it's dark outside and especially when they're near cities is they can they can tell the horizon line from like city lights like those can even break through cloud cover but at a certain point like he cannot really tell like what's up or down and he actually starts to undergo vertigo right so he's in like this thick cloud coverage and he just like he doesn't have his orientation of Mm -hmm. like the it's the cloud coverage is so dense around him he doesn't know what direction the plane is really going in in terms of if it's going up or down or if it's level and i think he loses that orientation and that is what so he like he and what caused this yeah and what just really quickly what caused this is that he he started to turn and I guess what can happen is as you start to turn it it induces this vertigo where your senses start to feel like you're going one way and your the dials on the airplane show another thing. Well, also apparently there were like there were instruments that were not like he wasn't flying with that he should have been flying with. Mm. I read about and yeah. but haven't you had like a strange like I swear I've been in my car you know stopped at a stoplight and I felt like it was moving strangely or like just like I've had moments where I felt myself not have a total grip or bearings on what was going on like being in a plane and feeling like are we moving or are we not moving like you definitely like when you're on the ground you I can understand Uh, how you would lose your grip and honestly this is one part of pilot training where you have to just I was watching this video and the guy just says, you have to trust your instruments more than you trust your own senses. Oh, Um, interesting. And so I'll read this one, you know, insidious thing about vertigo from this pilot talking about the crash. And he he says that, you know, this vertigo happens when a pilot searches outside for a visible horizon, can't find it, then moves his head. The sloshing fluid inside the middle ear balance mechanism creates a false illusion. Vertigo says to the pilot, hey, you're in a turn. The pilot feels this sensation in the seat of his pants. He corrects with the yoke to level the plane. But in fact, the plane was always flying level. And now it is in a banked turn. And the vertigo reassures the pilot, okay, you stopped that turn. Well done. But the turn has not stopped. The plane is still turning. Your middle ear balance system is out of whack and spitting out false messages. The plane tips farther and enters a graveyard spiral, which is the pilot is upside down, spinning, disoriented, and confusing. There's no exit. It's awful. And and this means then that all of the passengers would have been feeling this spiral as well. And so it's just a horrific end. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine her final thoughts? She didn't even want to go to this wedding. She never no. wanted to get on. A, she didn't even like flying with him. Right. This is why I think we have to trust our instincts. And mm-hmm. I, I cannot even imagine the final, you know, their final terrifying moments as they plunged into the right. sea beside Martha's Vineyard. Right. I mean, I I don't want to get on my soapbox here, but, you know, there was a time in my life where I had a friend whose dad like flew planes and mom would not let me like we were going to fly to Vegas for her birthday. And mom bought me a commercial air, airline ticket because she would not let me get in a small plane. And, you know, nothing happened. Everything was fine. Thank God. But like small planes are F-U-C-K-I-N-G terrifying. 
Yeah. And I also think that, and I was actually thinking about this as I was doing research for this episode. And I just decided that my role is I will fly in small planes, but with professional pilots where that's their full-time career. I will not fly with hobbyist pilots. Like that is yeah. my line. I don't, yeah. Um, hobbyist pilots, especially it's just, it's terrifying. And also, you know, I know we have like, t- fr- I have friends whose parents fly and whatever, and it's, it's totally that person's prerogative. It just scares me. And I mean, I, I mean, the Travis Barker plane crash, that was with a professional pilot. It's just, I'm probably never going to be yeah. rich enough anyways to like fly with like <laughs> always private or ever part private. So <laughs> right, it's, an easy, right. it's an easy thing for me to rule out, frankly. Just be like, I'm not doing, yeah, hundred percent same. Yeah. So I actually will never, I'm not going to become that rich just because I'm just too afraid of flying private. Sorry. Um, anyway, just Anyways. really so incredibly sad, but very, cause like all these details about where they were at in their marriage, all of this stuff, I really didn't know. And so I thought it was very intriguing, intriguing mm-hmm. to read about, you know, what their lives were really like, what their marriage was really like. And right. honestly, I don't think they would have stayed together. I think they were on a collision course with divorce. Yeah. Really. I think ultimately yeah. marriages where you, you know, are becoming a part of such a crazy established family that has so much writing on you expectation wise like I just think those marriages are kind of doomed I definitely think though I would have thrived as a Kennedy like I think if they oh, could have gotten okay, the past my murky history uh and just really just all imp- of your just, the content whether you're airing your dirty laundry yep mm-hmm. my pure embarrassment right um if they could have gotten a, a past the fact that I have a Patreon account I really would have thrived as a Kennedy I would have uh-huh. loved going to the events I would have looked up the current events before meeting Ethel. <laughs> I just think I really would have killed it. Weapons ban. Yeah, exactly. That's great. That's great. I'm sure you would have. Yeah. Anyway. I, Lauren, I think you would have been a, a stunning Kennedy. And honestly, I wish you would have become one just so that I could have the, some of the perks besides the flying. I mean, my engagement photos were fully cosplaying as the Kennedys. Like, <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Uh, yes, we are. We, we all certainly are. Anyway, so I really... Thank you, Chandler. You did an amazing job recapping from their engagement on. I truly felt like this was so fun. Such an interesting and kind of different pop apologist episode from our usual just bantering. So you guys... If you like the episode, please leave us a five-star review. Let us know that you want more of this kind of narrative content, these deep dives. And I would love to do at least one of these, I would say, once a month. Yeah, totally. Or And send us suggestions for who you'd want. Yeah, of what you want us to dive into. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to do like iconic couple Barack and Michelle, but then I also feel like it's too political. It's, I don't want to get it. It's just honestly kind of boring. Yeah, and I feel like we all know it. You know what I mean? I, I've told you how far I got into becoming. I love Michelle Obama. I just couldn't really get through her book. Yeah, and I don't want to be accused of being like, you know, getting too political. So anyway, and I love, I want to do it on obscure I think, people. People yeah, that we I don't think, know that much about. I think celebrities from history, too, are fascinating. I'll understand who Orson Welles is by then, hopefully, and who our actual presidents were. <laughs> yeah. I'll I want to do... I want to do maybe one on like all of Gwyneth Paltrow's boyfriends. I feel like all of her mm. relationships or yeah. like even take that, um, yeah, right. that approach right. to it. Totally. So anyway, I if mean, you have J-Lo suggestions, let us know. would be like, yeah, totally ripe to do. She's got so many. Yeah. Mark Absolutely. Anthony, yeah. Plenty. Okay. Giveaway time. Yes. We have to do the giveaway. So Chandler, we had 112 entries. That's crazy. So yeah. 
it was really really great um thank you all so much for entering yes. we're not gonna do a giveaway this month just because you know we want to give it a break we don't get these things to get annoying mm-hmm. but we want to say thank you so much truly for participating it really helps i mean it's it the giveaways are actually what's really they, driving growth yeah they're us. a so fundamental really part it. of our growth so it it helps so much so thank you to everyone who entered it helps so much. everyone who entered twice and if out of the goodness of your own heart you do want to recommend an episode to your followers and to link it truly it will it will mean so much to us yeah. and if you do that i'll i'll write you down and i'll put you on next month's but oh wow just Perfect. you know okay cool yeah okay so anyway um let's draw so chandler can you generate a random number, please, mm-hmm. between 1 and 112? Okay. 112, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, ready? Yes. Three, yes. two, one. It is number 74. 74. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Who Elena M. Young. Oh, my god. Elena M. Young. Elena Young. Elena, oh. I think hell i Feels love very you right. she has been with us since the very beginning literally since we had like under 100 followers on instagram i have the, uh, every other giveaway winner we have not known so this is like this truly like means the this is so fun it's really really I fun love i'm so happy because she deserves it she's she's been like spreading Absolutely. the good word yeah like we said since day one um, before we even had like actually good giveaways i feel like when we had giveaways that were like here's 50 dollars <laughs> To Applebee's. Yeah, totally. Oh no, she's gosh. truly a benevolent soul yeah. and just such a supporter. So anyway, this is so fun. Um, so super excited that Elena won. Elena will reach out. Obviously, we'll hit you up where you can redeem your $500 shopping spree or walking pad. So exciting. And Woo! guys, next month, we will be back with a giveaway. And we just appreciate everyone who entered yeah. so, so much. Truly. So thank you all truly. Thank you. Love you guys. All Thank right. you, everyone. Love you. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Bye.